Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Hey, Church Planner, this is part one of a two-part interview we've done with Coleman Luck. And on today's interview, we're going to get into what exactly is a mentalist, uh, the illusionist, the trickery, um, how this affects the human mind. And on tomorrow's interview, we're going to get into his book, Proof of Heaven, question mark. A mental illusionist examines the afterlife experience of Eben Alexander, MD, from a biblical viewpoint. I'm Pete Mitchell, he's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. Nuh-uh. <laughs> this is Peyton Jones. Nice. I like that. That was a that was a good way to to do that. And uh, we're we're wrapping up. We're in the final two weeks of our daily podcast that uh, we promised we would do in January, and uh, we've got another uh, incredible guest on this podcast. And I'm really excited about this guest for a number of reasons. Um, one, I actually met, uh, our guest today through, uh, a college housemate of mine, um, buddy of mine in college had just gotten out of the uh, military and, uh, was attending Biola university where I went to school and he and I were living in the same house and totally did not get along at all for about the first, uh, six months of our relationship as Peyton can can absolutely attest to, um, I'm not necessarily the most, uh, how shall I put this, uh, organized guy. I don't, uh, you know, put every little thing in its place. And uh, when you've just gotten out of the military, you're kind of used to that. So he and I butted heads a lot. However, we ended up becoming really good friends. And uh, through him, uh, met his father. And his father is our guest on the show today. It's Coleman Luck. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Coleman. He's a Hollywood writer and executive producer. He's known for such TV shows as The Equalizer and Gabriel's Fire. He's also a, a mentalist and a member of the Academy of Magical Art Arts Woo-hoo. at the uh, Magic Castle in Hollywood. 
Um, his first novel, Angel Fall, was published in 2009 by Zondervan. Um, he's also written a, a number of other books, one of which we're going to talk about in detail here on our podcast. Uh, he's also studied the Bible at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, where his father, the late Dr. G. Goldman, Coleman Luck, uh, Sr., was a professor and a chairman of the Bible department. Uh, Coleman received his undergraduate degree from the Northern Illinois University, and he did graduate study at both the University of Southern California and Simon Greenleaf School of Law, where he studied, studied under the noted cult experts, Dr. Walter Martin, which we had, uh, yeah, Sorry. beginning of the month, we had uh, <laughs> his uh, eldest daughter, uh, Jill Martin Ricci, on the uh, the podcast. And, of course, uh, we've been able to reprint several of uh, Dr. Uh, Martin's articles in the uh, magazine. Uh, he's also a former U.S. Army infantry officer and a decorated okay. combat veteran with two bronze stars from Vietnam. And wow. uh, he's been uh, married. How many years, Coleman, have you been married now? We have been married 47 years, Carol and I. We married when we were, of course, about five years old, actually. So. <laughs> wow. 47 years of the same beautiful woman. Yeah, and and how many kids do you have total? We have a total of three. We have two sons and a daughter. And, and then, How many grandkids? Yeah. We have four grandchildren. All right. Wow, Pete, you know, I, I read his book, but you didn't tell me how cool this guy was. Well, you should have kept reading the book that's actually in the back of the book. So just I, I read the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing. Just thought I'd, just thought I'd point that out. Well, uh, Coleman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you guys. We're going to be talking today about uh, a book that I read, uh, I think, right when it first came out. I, I don't remember when that was. You can, you can uh, enlighten us on that in a minute, uh, Coleman. But uh, the book is called Proof of Heaven, a Mentalist illusionist exam i'm sorry a mental illusionist examines the afterlife experience of dr eben alexander md from a biblical viewpoint and uh this is kind of a a, a book that i think as church planters uh, is really something that we need to to read and expose ourselves to because the different things that are out there and influencing society uh, we need to be able to address these things that are going on. And we've talked about on the podcast in the past how Peyton's first church plant um, came from a discussion on Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. And, uh, you know, essentially what it came down to in the end is how Dan Brown got it wrong. And and then from there, people were like, well, you know, can we, we, can we read about, uh, you know, his eyewitness accounts? Um, you know, can we read the Gospels? And I went from there into the book of Mark, and that's what started the uh, the church plant. Um, and being able to, to talk about these uh, these books and movies that are influencing society, I think, is uh, uh, very important for us to be able to do and be able to speak to them from a biblical standpoint. So, uh, Coleman, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you decided to write this uh, this review of uh, of uh, Eben Alexander's book. Well, I have been interested in, in near death phenomena and after so called afterlife experiences for many years. I've been reading them. I've been reading about them for decades, and uh, I actually got into it at the very beginning. Not his book, but the interest in this because of. Uh, 
many years ago, I was writing and producing uh, a series for CBS, The Equalizer, and I came to an episode in which uh, I was facing a dramatic problem, and I I determined that the answer to the dramatic problem was to give a character in that episode an afterlife experience in which he was shot by someone and goes to hell. And, uh, you know, I based that scene that I wrote uh, on an actual experience that I'd read about. Uh, and so I put that into the episode, and this was all the way back in 1988, I think. Uh, and um, we we shot it in New York, of course, with the series where we were shooting. And uh, the the great actor, we we were looking for the right actor to play this part. And uh, the actor, we had actors who came into our New York actors coming in, and they, no, nobody was right. And one actor came in, and he just nailed it. And that actor is an actor named David Strathairn. Mm. Uh, you saw him last. I think he played the Secretary of State in Spielberg's Lincoln movie. He is fabulous. Anyway, that uh, that scene was shot, and it's actually up on the Internet right now. You can see that scene. It's uh, mm. uh, part of the Sea of Fire episode that I wrote, and that scene is up there. Um, uh, for people to watch. So that was the beginning of my interest was back there in the mid-80s and somewhere in that vicinity. And I've continued to read these things over the years because I think they're, these, these experiences are very indicative of things that are uh, messages that are being given to us. Let's put it that way, from one source or another. Mm. And um, when I hit Dr. Alexander's book several years ago, I was just impressed that this book, Proof of Heaven, uh, is probably the most important one that I've ever read of this variety, and it certainly is going to be the most influential. And uh, most Christians, I think there are, you know, the, the Christian response to this book, when you have Christians who have read it, and I suggest Christians read it intelligently, uh, their response is one of, goes in one of two extremes. The first side, they say, well, Dr. Alexander, this amazing experience he had, and he was, he is an academic neurosurgeon, so he's a scientist mm -hmm. and a medical doctor, a man of high ethics. Um, you know, the one side says, oh, he's just lying. Uh, this whole thing that he's put together is just to make money, and he's lying. The other side says, we believe everything he's saying. You know, this is, this is, must be an experience that God gave to him, and we've got mm -hmm. to this into our faith and you know and this tells us what heaven's about both these extremes are unbelievably naive and unbelievably dangerous mm. uh, these are extremes within the christian community now you know outside the christian community you've got just tons of people who are eating this up and uh the last i heard i haven't heard anything differently it's going to wind up being a major motion picture, and even more people are going to be influenced by it. It's an impressive experience. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, the, the fact that it was so impressive, and I think so important um, because of the message that it gives, um, I felt like this has to be answered in a different way than people are answering it. And there haven't been too many answers given from the, the evangelical Christian world. And so I decided, well, I've, I've just got to do this. And I have enough background in a number of different areas to say, all right, I'm going, I'm going to give this a shot. And that's what I've done. Um, you know, I'm glad you did, because like Pete said, you know, the uh, with church planners, we talk to a lot of people that, you know, aren't evangelical Christians. And the reality is that, you know, people aren't getting their ideas of heaven 
uh, hell, the afterlife, sin, whatever it was, any spiritual issue, they're not getting these ideas from the Bible. I mean, those days are done. Yeah, um, People are now getting their ideas about spiritual things from pop culture. And so personally, I'm glad you wrote this book. Well, thank you. Yeah, I felt guided to do so. I It started off, I was teaching a Bible study down in Los Angeles, and uh, I really began to work on the this book as part of that Bible study, and then it grew into the book, that, the little book. It's a short book, but it is now. You know, uh, the message of this book, and this is the message that you are hearing in a lot of different ways these days, is the message of universalism. And uh, that message is the powerful message of Alexander's book, but it's there in the evangelical world as well. I mean, you have this is a tremendously influential concept with people like Rob Bell, you know, in his book, uh, I think it's Love Wins or something like that. There's more of them. This message is having a tremendous impact, and it is pervading not only the, the secular world, but the Christian world, and it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah, you know, one of the things I want to I, I want to start going through this book, and I'm looking here at my notes from when I read the book. And as a, a marketing guy running a marketing company, you hit on something at the very beginning of the book, which you had me at hello, so to speak. The, the soon as soon as you said it, you said we believe doctors to be, and most of them often are, ethical people concerned for our welfare. Companies marketing products understand this level of trust. That's why they use doctors or actors playing doctors to sell us their products. And I remember reading that going, yeah, he understands exactly marketers because um, – and, and your, your point was we've got a medical doctor, a neurosurgeon who's writing this book. And so because of his background, we automatically are, are taking his background and giving him um, you know, more credence to what he's saying. And uh, and you were absolutely right in that marketers understand this. We understand yeah. that just the term doctor so-and-so says something positive that, I mean, um, whenever we can get a testimonial from a doctor, you know, we may, I don't mm -hmm. care if it's a PhD, we're throwing doctor in front of that guy's name. And, um, and so, I mean, I, I totally, totally got that as soon as I read that. Well, we have, these are the, the, the scientific authority figures of our culture, aren't they? I mean, in a sense, I mean, psychiatrists and, you know, and other kinds of medical doctors and other scientists, we have a, a tremendously high view of these people, and, and we should to a certain degree because they are uh, they're the source of so much knowledge and, you know, and so much help within our culture. But to place our spiritual hope in what they say and to assume that because they have the scientific method at their fingertips uh, and they are they're scientists on some level is another tremendously dangerous uh, kind of attitude to take. I think back, and uh, you, you guys are too young to remember it, but I remember very well when you had doctors on TV uh, mm. promoting smoking cigarettes. Sure. Mm. I mean, that was in the 1950s when I was a child, and I remember it very well. So, uh, you know, what we accept and what we understand is true from science does change from time to time. And I firmly believe, speaking as a mentalist, that uh, the relationship of scientists to uh, certain areas of illusion, uh, uh, they, they don't have a great track record in being able to see through to illusion. Uh, in the past, that has been the case. So the fact that, you know, when you have a scientist, that just, 
that doesn't mean you have someone who is omniscient. Right. Now, right. Coleman, can I just have you uh, back up for a second? When you say that you're a mentalist, um, can you define <laughs> that for our audience? <laughs> Simply mental, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> well, there certainly are a lot of Christians who would say, this man is obviously not really a Christian. He's a mentalist. Um, <laughs> let me try to explain what a mentalist is. Uh, when I was growing up in the Wheaton area, which at that time was the Evangelical Vatican of the United States, um, I was a, a teenage magician, and I did magic shows in churches and with, for kids and teenagers, and and uh, you know, and I would tell, I would uh, use it in telling the gospel story to to these various groups. Um, that time, as I was doing that kind of performing, just magic tricks uh, in mostly churches, I learned about an aspect or an area of performance magic that was known as mentalism. And it was a very strange area. Um, I didn't learn a huge amount about it until after I came out of the Army, and I lost interest in doing magic shows, but I that time, this was in the late 60s, early 70s, the tremendous interest in the occult was taking place. Mm. Uh, out of the counterculture and so forth, you just had interest in the occult sweeping the United States. And I knew about this area called mentalism. What is mentalism? It is uh, one famous mentalist has described mentalism as uh, a performer using our five senses to give the illusion of a sixth sense. And that's probably a, a very good way of looking at it. It is trickery, mm -hmm. but it's not trickery that's viewed in the same way that, uh, that doing a magic show with boxes and scarves and birds and, you know, pretty assistants. Uh, the, 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 uh, the audience look, walks into a magic show like that and says, whoa, isn't that wonderful? Think of the tremendous illusion we just saw. How'd they do it? Well, mentalism, a mentalist stands up in front of an audience and doesn't use any of that equipment, but uses the same principles, the same performance trickery. And, you know, and, and my wife and I uh, developed a, a program back in the early 70s uh, called Beyond Reality that was doing what appeared to be psychic phenomena, but it's that's what mentalism is. It's you know, the idea that, well, I'm going to attempt to prove to you that I can read your mind, that I can predict the future, that I can move objects without uh, people understanding how they're being moved. I'm going to tell you it's just with my mind. All of it is trickery, but it doesn't appear to be trickery. And yeah. the response in an audience is very, very different than to uh, a <laughs> magician. You know, you people, I've I, back in the early 70s, I remember Carol and I did a a week-long series, and the way we would do the program, we would do half the program in which we would do, you know, this psychic phenomena. Then we would stop and we would say, look, everything you've seen here is a trick. And now let's talk about spiritual reality. And, you know, and so it became an evangelistic ministry. It was that from the very beginning for us. I remember being, uh, Carol and I did a week-long series of programs in Minnesota in northern Minnesota with Youth for Christ. And mm -hmm. the first one we did, we walked into a theater and half the audience was made up of occultists who thought we were going to be debunking, which we were, 
And the other half of the audience was made up of Christians who thought we were psychics. You know, and so this was an unfriendly audience. <laughs> so, Sounds you know, like a I, church planner at a, at a pastor's conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very similar, I'm sure. Well, I, you know, I, we did this for several years. We were all over the Midwest. We were in many, many churches, many organizations, and, you know, it was, it was quite, a, quite an opportunity. Then uh, we came to Los Angeles, and I began to enter the entertainment business, and we just had to stop it. Uh, I couldn't, you know, we couldn't raise a family and, and work in the business and keep that going, too. Started it again, uh, you know, with the, kept an interest in it over the years, but didn't really get involved until about, oh, seven or eight years ago or so, uh, got back into it in retirement and, you know, and caught myself back up to everything. So now, you know, we've created another program called Illusions of Power, which is somewhat the same as what we did before with a different different set of illusions. But these are, a mentalist is a, an illusionist. And, uh, you know, the, the things that are done are not done with uh, psychic power, but the, the mentalist is a person who is, is very interested in how easily people are deluded and how easily they believe in illusions. So that has been kind of a, a, an interest of mine over all these years. And uh, now, you know, it, in a sense, I think it applies to this book. Yeah, I remember, too. I went and saw you at, uh, I think it was Mariner's Church. Uh, you were down there doing a program for them. And um, to me, what's most interesting is the 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 phenomenon and the shows that you see on TV around ghosts, ghost hunting, ghost this, ghost that, paranormal this, paranormal that. And you were using all the same tools that those guys use on the TV show. You know, these, I don't know what they're called, but those EKG or whatever they are, not EKG, but, you know, the the... You know, sure. We used all we used the equipment that they used. Uh, you know, we, we you know there there are some very strange things that can be done. Let me tell you. I mean, uh, um, the performance potential and the interest in these areas. I mean, you have the the uh, the British mentalist Darren Brown, who has done a number of specials, and he's a terrific performer. People are fascinated with this sort of thing. Um, so yeah. I, I was going to mention Darren Brown. I didn't know if the audience would actually know who he was, but um, he's quite a phenomenon in the UK. And he would do things like um, uh, he would uh, talk to strangers and he'd tell them uh, exactly how much change they had in their pocket. And it would freak him out. You know, he'd say you have like two, two uh, 10 cent pieces and you know, uh, one 5p coin. And he'd ask him a couple questions or, you know, you know, uh, you know, you're thinking of this number, that kind of thing. And it, it, like, like you said, I mean, you know, he, uh, it, it would appear to be psychic and he would promise, he'd say, I'm not a psychic. Anyone could learn to do what I'm doing right now. He's right. And, uh, you know, there are always, there are many different ways of doing the things that he does or the things that any mentalist does. But it is the absolute truth. If you want to spend the time and, I would have to say, the money uh, to learn these things, you can do it. And you have to spend a lot of time because you have to know where to find the information, which is not easy to do. And um, so over the years, I've done it. And as my wife can attest, I have certainly spent the money. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and the point of it, though, for you is you're showing people, look, th these are all tricks. This isn't a psychic phenomenon. This is a trick. 
And I, I remember you making that point at the uh, the church, and you wanted people to understand that, look, this is not real. That's that's the point of me doing this, is to show you this is not real. That's right, and then to talk about spiritual reality. But I will tell you something, and this is probably the most disturbing part of doing this kind of performing. I have done programs where even after I have said this, and I've said it as clearly as I can possibly say it, I have had people come up to me at the end and say, I know you said that, but I still believe you can really do do this stuff. <laughs> and they refuse to accept what I am telling them that is the truth. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I say to them, now think about what you're saying for a second. If I could really do this, what kind of a fool would I be to be telling people that it was a trick? I could mm-hmm. make a zillion dollars, you know, with this skill if it was really there. But they so desperately, desperately want to believe that there's something that is, how can I put it, that humanity is more than we appear to be. Mm. As human beings, uh, that we've fallen from something. Now, I'm not talking about from the perspective of the Bible. Of course, that explains the truth of it. But there's something inside human beings that says inside of them, we know there's more to us than than what we experience in this world. There's an echo somewhere, you know, and that's what draws people into the occult and into all sorts of things. Or, or it could be our alien genomes splicing <laughs> in DNA that they haven't discovered yet when the mothership well, left us here. Are you this is some sort of a personal test? <laughs> All of a sudden, well, maybe like, like that. I'm not going to use the word us. Maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I couldn't trust that Pete guy. I knew it. Yeah. You know, however you want to uh, <laughs> describe it, yes, there are people who believe that. You know, uh, panspermia, the idea that we are seeded from the stars. You know, uh, yes, there are all of these things. And even, even scientists are there. Now, I mean, the, the evolutionists are talking about panspermia because they can't explain uh, what has happened in this world and the time frames that are involved, you know, based upon, um, you know, upon how far we've advanced. I mean, so they've got to come up with some other other idea for our our genesis. So, but there is this thing inside of human beings. And I mean, I've had people, who've, I've had a, I had a, a Christian man, you know, a, a wonderful man. I've known him for years, uh, who has been a Christian leader. Uh, who came up at the end of one program that I did, it was, he was there, and he said, I just have to ask you, his wife had died a couple of years before, and he was in his late 70s, early 80s. He, he just asked me, it was tears in his eyes, is there any way for us to have contact, uh, for me to have contact with my wife again? You know, and he's, this came out of tremendous loneliness and, you know, and deep hurt. Yeah. So the... This desire to know what has happened or what is happening to loved ones, and is there a heaven, you know, and all the rest, is the, it's the source of so much deception that it, it, it goes back for centuries, yeah. you know, many centuries. Hey, Church Planner, we're going to go ahead and wrap up part one right here, and on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to get into part two with Coleman Luck. And we're going to talk in-depth on the book Proof of Heaven, A Mental Illusionist Examines the Afterlife Experience of Eben Alexander, M.D., from a Biblical Standpoint. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. 
visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.